Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. Today, I am delighted to be joined by uh, a wonderful lady called Natalie, Natalie Vecchioni. That's Vecchioni. Uh, I, I'm guessing that that's an Italian name. Natalie. Yes, it is. It, is. it, it means but old and wise. And I am and old, but I'm not wise. <laughs> uh, OK, well, I'm going to come back to you. It's rude, isn't it, to contradict. <laughs> Um, but I'm going to come back to saying that you look like and you feel I feel your youth well, and your you. wisdom, too. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> so uh, great to have you on the show, Natalie. Thanks. For, thank you thanks so for much. Me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. That's great. So could you uh, introduce yourself to the listeners, please? Sure thing. So my name is Natalie Vecchione, and uh, my husband and I have two wonderful children. Um, our son is almost 19 years old, and our daughter is almost six years old. And we adopted both of our children uh, via domestic adoption here in the United States. Our son uh, had his adoption journey was um, a closed adoption journey happened 19 years ago. Um, and he, uh, we, we know very little about his birth mother and we know nothing about his birth father. Um, and he was considered a special needs adoption because he had a lot of medical issues when he was born, which we later found out were related to him having a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. Um, and then, uh, so we have a very different journey with him. Um, our daughter will be six uh, next week and we have an open adoption with her birth mother and her family. Um, actually her birth mother was our son's babysitter and my former flute student when we lived in Philadelphia many years ago. So she actually, you know, asked my husband and I to, to when she found out she was pregnant, wow. she actually asked us to adopt um, you know, our daughter. And so we have a very open adoption. And like I was telling you uh, before our dis um, recording, Simon, that, um, you know, it's a very, um, it's like a dance balancing having a child that has a closed adoption with having a child that has an open adoption, um, especially when our son has a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder. And, you know, he has a lot of grief and a lot of, you know, um, feelings that he's working in, in his growth, you know? Um, so, uh, we live out in the middle of rural North Carolina in the United States. Um, we actually purchased, uh, we call it the funky farmhouse and we purchased it, um, uh, four years ago, almost four years ago. And, um, we love it out here. It was an accommodation actually for our family. Um, after we received our son's diagnosis and, and just learned about how we could help him thrive and how we could help him, you know, um, just embrace, you know, his, his strengths. Uh, we, we moved out here. We have all of our neighbors are farmers and they're lovely and, uh, they know our story. They know our family story. They know our son's needs and, and they are just like, they're just so, wonderfully supportive of, of our family. Um, we have nothing on our little farm. We have a little under four acres. Uh, however, we have a lovely, um, hobby farm with blueberry bushes. So, um, and, and they're looking good this year. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm very, um, hopeful that we'll have a good crop this year, but our son finished homeschooling. We homeschooled, uh, for seven and a half years and we continue to homeschool. Um, our son, 
we homeschooled him because we realized it was an accommodation that he needed. He was just not fitting in. We tried different. We tried private, you know, schools. We tried public schools. We tried hybrid schools. And he, because of his brain differences, he was just really falling in between the cracks. And, and we really wanted, again, um, you know, we're, we're definitely not perfect, you know, but we, we wanted him to just have the best experience that he could. And, and we realized homeschooling was, was doing that for us. So I stopped my career. I stopped working and everything. And, um, if I had to go back and do it over again, I would do it in a heartbeat because, um, I don't think he would be where he is today, you know, if we didn't homeschool. Um, so yeah, so he lives, uh, Another part of our, our, uh, our farmhouse layout, another reason why we purchased, you know, this, this farmhouse and the property is, uh, he has his own apartment above the garage. So he has his own space. It's actually nicer than the first dormitory I stayed in when I was in college many years ago. It's, it's great. And, uh, yet it's connected to our house. So if he needs to come and, you know, use the laundry or use, you know, they get something from, from the big kitchen, he has a little kitchen inside his, his, his apartment. Um, but we're here. And, and, um, one of the terms that I really embrace that I think hopefully your listeners will embrace too is, is interdependence. So, you know, people who have neurodiversity or people that have um, any type of uh, learning difference or dis disability, interdependence is where you, you give that person or that you don't give it to them. They have that independence, yet you provide that safety net underneath so that, you know, for example, if, if our son forgets to take his medication or if he forgets something, we're here, you know? Um, so it really is lovely. And, um, and our daughter is very different. You know, she's typically developing. Um, she is very uh, sympathetic and empathetic of our son's needs. And, and I love that. I'm so thankful for that. You know, she really, if our son is just having a really challenging day. She, you know, she honors that and she respects it and she gives them the space and, you know, we do our thing. So, um, yeah, it, we have a very unique journey. Um, but it's one that I have learned a lot. And I, I realized that for many years as our son's symptoms grew, which we later learned that they were related to his, his FASD, um, for so many years prior to that, like I, I, I prayed for, you know, change in him. And I realized at, especially after his diagnosis, his hospitalization, his diagnosis and our getting on the right road, I realized that the shift had to be in my mindset as a parent. Um, and that I wasn't going to change him. And I, I, his brain, you know, is the way it is. And just like, you know, his, his body, I can't change that. But what I learned that I could do to help him, you know, be, um, be the best that he could be, um, not to sound cliche, but, uh, I, I realized that my husband and I really had to learn about his brain and how his brain worked and, and about, you know, his needs. And, uh, we needed to make accommodations and uh, we also, again, just really needed to change our mindset. 
And uh, we, we learned a lot, you know, and I think we're continuing, we're always learning. Um, but I really think it's important for your audience members to know that um, when you are a parent, um, especially when you are a parent via adoption or foster care, um, you really need to change your mindset. You really may need to make that shift from, oh, well, I want them to fit in my mold of, of how I expect our family to be to, I have to honor their differences and I need to honor their needs and, and their strengths and, and really embrace their strengths. You know, um, you and I, again, we were talking before, um, I think a lot of, I think many schools and, and public education, I'm not knocking it at all, but I think there is this expectation where you have to, the student has to fit in to the system. And, um, when we realized our son was better, a better fit in homeschooling, um, we were like, okay, how can we support him and how can we help develop his strengths? And I'm not a carpenter, you know, and our son is this wonderful carpentry apprentice. So part of my job in doing that, um, was to, you know, learn about carpentry and to find carpenters for him to apprentice with. And we did, we found two wonderful, um, carpenters, you know, slash woodworkers. Um, yeah, so I've learned a lot on this journey. Um, and I'm, I'm happy to share, you know, um, I'm happy to share that with you. Fantastic. Wow. There's so much there. Um, there's so much that, uh, the bit that stood out for me really um, was the mindset bit. So I've got a little, I've got a little, I, I think about this a lot. Yeah. So you said that, you know, um, you're, you had an insight, your, your mindset changed, right? And then you also said, we have to change our mindsets. Do you, I, I, so for me, I can see a difference there. Um, is, there is that, but I, I don't know whether I'm being too nuanced or. So or I think, uh, so we, we went into parenting, you know, many years ago with these, with this mindset and with this expectation, I think because we brought in how, you know, we were parented, you know? So um, I, my husband and I made a change. Actually, we, we participated in, um, facets, uh, which I'll give you the, the resource, but they're very, um, it, it, we consider them to be like the gold standard in learning about how to parent a child that has FASD or brain-based neurobehavioral, um, diagnoses. So we made that change, you know, we made that change into going from, oh, you know, this is, a willful behavior, or this is something to, oh, okay, I understand how his brain works, or I'm learning to understand. Um, when I say we need to change our mindsets, I'm really talking to people out there who are really, I, I'm talking to anyone who's listening, who really is, is embracing that, oh, we need to parent a certain way. You know, um, I think we need to get away from that. I think honestly, we need to parent or, you know, foster our children in the way that's suited for them, 
You know, I think it's very, we need to get away from, oh, read this book and you'll, you know, or do this, you know, for us, it was brain-based parenting, focusing on strengths and making accommodations. And, and I know that it's not like that for everybody, but especially when you have a child that has, um, you know, either an FASD or a brain-based diagnosis for, for us thinking about how their brain works and how to make accommodations, because it's really an invisible disability. You know, it's the most common developmental disability in the Western world, yet people don't talk about FASD because they don't know about it. So that's, that's another way I think people need to change their mindsets about, okay, you know, this, this is really what's out there, you know, and we need to so accommodate. Was, was there a kind of, um, a, 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 was it a series of, of moments when you realized that you needed to change your approach or was the one big moment or? It, it really was. Oh, so as our son grew older, you know, in the, in the beginning, when we adopted him, he was two and a half weeks old. He had a lot of medical issues. And then as he grew older, we saw the developmental um, challenges, the developmental disability part of it. And then when he was a teenager, we saw the, not only the, the brain issue, the, the, how the, his experience, his exposure, um, the prenatal alcohol exposure affected him. But then we also started seeing it in a mental health um, way because uh, I believe the statistic is 93% of individuals that have um, a fetal alcohol spectrum disorder also have a co-occurring mental health diagnosis. And that can be anything. That can be depression. It can be anxiety. It can be, um, you know, in our son's case, it was bipolar disorder. Um, you know, and he lets me talk about this because he wants other families to understand and not have to suffer the way we did. You know, it took us 15 years to finally get his diagnosis. So I think Simon, when he was hospitalized and when he finally got that diagnosis of, yes, he has been exposed to alcohol, you know, prior to birth. That was the beginning of the mindset change. And then just in the, honestly, it's, it's just, you know, builds. And, and when you learn more, you realize more. And then when you realize more, you, you change more, you know? So I think that the, the, wow. the pinnacle was when he was hospitalized and when we realized, okay, this is not him misbehaving. This is actually his brain saying, I need an accommodation. Well, um, I mean, I'm. So this is I've interviewed, I've interviewed uh, Robbie, who you know, um, yes. uh, uh, on this subject before. Uh, but the, you know, the stories are the, the stories are somewhat different. The conversation's kind of a bit different. So I'm, you know, like all, all I know about FASD is the stuff that I learned from Robbie. So I'm right. on a big, I'm on a big learning curve here. Mm -hmm. um, I'm. I'm kind of guessing that diagnosis of FASD, or I'm guessing that FASD is diagnosed a lot earlier than it used to be. Is that, is that Yeah, right? it's, it's really like, and, and I'm friends with Robbie and she's been on my show and, and, um, yes, you know, she, she's wonderful. Um, yes. So really we're trying to part of, you know, the FASD community, you know, the parents, professionals, people in, in the, you know, what we consider the FASD community, we really know just like with any other 
disability, the earlier the diagnosis, the earlier the treatment, the earlier the accommodations and everything. Yes. But yeah, you know, like 40, 50 years ago, it was just people only knew a fetal alcohol syndrome and that was it. You know, they didn't know that FASD is actually a spectrum diagnosis, just like autism and that there are actually different diagnoses under there. So yes, I I think, especially in the past five to 10 years, there has been more awareness and people saying the earlier um, you receive a diagnosis, you know, for your child or loved one, um, the more accommodations, the more interventions, um, just the better you can um, really just the better you can empower your child, you know, so that they have um, better opportunities for growth. Um, the statistic that you uh, talk about, the, the uh, co-occurring uh, mental health issues is 93%, is very, very like, uh, like a sock between the eyes for me. Yes, um, yes. Uh, and the, the flip of it is, is I, something that I uh, um, came across a couple of months ago, that only, or oh, sorry, that 80 to 90% of, of people that go through traumatic stress events don't get PTSD. So only 10 to 20% do. Yeah. So when you're talking, if, if we put that, and, and, and PTSD, so, but PTSD is really big, mm-hmm. really big news. Yes. Um, but this stuff that you're talking about with FSD clearly mm-hmm. isn't big news. Right. Um, one, one hopeful thing <laughs> that isn't big news, <laughs> there's not a lot of hope in the news, is that um, I, I, uh, I heard something last week that's given me a lot of hope, and I'm mentioning it on every podcast where I get a chance, right? It's called post-traumatic growth. It's a thing. Some psychologists have come up, usually psychologists are thinking of negative things, aren't they? But psychologists have come up with a great thing called post-traumatic growth. So um, uh, I'm just flying the flag for post-traumatic growth because I always believe that uh, hope, light at the end of the tunnel, kind of draws it towards us and, and we ourselves we see ourselves more clearly in, in the light rather than the darkness of the trauma. So um, I just, I'm just flying the flag for post-traumatic. I love that. I, I, I want to learn more about that because um, I, you know, we named my husband and I, when we co-founded FASD Hope, that was one of the things we were like, we need to put something hopeful next to FASD. You know, so often we hear the negative statistics about FASD, like, you know, the statistics I'm sharing with you and, and that um, for, so Knowing, um, knowing what we know about prenatal alcohol exposure, the reason why, and, and I can, I can send you the study so that you can see the statistics, but, um, what we've learned about trauma, especially prenatal trauma and trauma in children, that it has a more significant impact on the younger developing brain than adults. So when an adult goes through trauma, there's a better chance of, like you said, there's a lesser chance of having PTSD because their brain is developed and has the capacity to, you know, um, to, like you said, to, to have that growth from that trauma. However, 
in, you know, unborn children, you know, a, a, a mother who is pregnant and drinks and that that unborn child does not have those defenses. And same thing with trauma uh, in children, say, who are in foster care, who are in very what what I what we use the term I use is hard places that are in very hard places, traumatic places. Um, when they experience it, and I'll, um, there is a study out there. I believe the statistic is, it's just an incredible statistic of there is blank times more, um, more potential for them to have full-blown PTSD, you know, and the way children express trauma and, and, and express their symptoms of trauma are very different. You know, things that we see that, you know, um, again, we think our willful behaviors are actually their responses to trauma. So, and, and another thing too, that I think is important, and I'm sure Robbie discussed this was that when we parent children, um, either through adoption, through foster care, you know, kinship. Um, we have to think of, first of all, how their brain works. That's kind of like the hardware in the computer. You know, uh, I love using this analogy. You know, the, if, if there's FASD or if there's any type of um, difference in that hardware, then if you give a lived experience, so the lived experience would be the software, you know, so they're going to respond differently to that lived experience because of that prenatal trauma. So with, especially with children in foster care, um, you know, they've endured a lot of trauma. So we, as the responsible adults, we need to think of both of those traumas, you know, the, the prenatal trauma, which is from the, the drugs or the alcohol that was exposed to them, and then the lived experience trauma. Um, but I love hearing, I'm, I'm actually going to learn more about that myself because um, that gives me hope that, you know, um, people who have gone through trauma, you know, they can turn that into growth for them. And, and I think that's honestly what we are trying to do, you know, with our children, because we both recognize there's trauma in adoption. There's trauma, even though our daughter has a very different adoption journey, there is, tra there is trauma, you know, there is trauma in all adoption. However, if we recognize that, and if we, you know, if we walk alongside with our children, no matter what age, and if we help them through that, you know, then there, there can be growth, you know, um, my, my daughter's birth mother, actually, she would like to work in, do something in adoption because she's an adoptee herself. And then she's also a birth mother. So she has those two aspects. And, and so I see that growth in her, she's been through, you know, very traumatic experiences and she has come out, you know, um, I think she's come out re remarkably um, brave and courageous and, you know, and willing to share her story. So I do see that. And, and I think that that's our responsibility as, as parents and caregivers uh, to, to say, okay, you know, I see that trauma and, and I'm going to walk alongside and support you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I'm hesitating slightly because I'm going to ask for a bit of permission to sure. tie tie a, a bit of a couple of things together, okay? And um, so I want to 
I want to go back to that question that I asked you about um, changing on. Uh, I'm making a distinction here between changing our mindset, which sounds like we have to, it's something that we do, okay? Mm-hmm. And then a mindset change, right? Which is something that happens. We have an insight. Yes. We realize we have to do something differently, right? Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm in the second camp because I think when I'm trying to force a change, you know, I've got to change my mindset. I've got to change my mindset. Then I, I don't. I don't have any breakthroughs. Okay. And when I realize, but but if I am calmer a little bit longer, and I wait for it, then the the mindset shift happens, or the mindset shift happens as a in a response to something that's happening in the environment. Yeah. So, do, so does that does that make sense to you? Does that yes. Make, yeah. And and when I, I I guess and to clarify, yes, that makes perfect sense. We we can only you know our we can only change our mindset when we're ready for that. I I agree. You know, a hundred percent. I. I think what I'm saying when I say we need to change our mindsets, I'm coming from an advocate, you know, point of view. I'm kind of saying it like we need a systemic change. You know, we oh, need, right. okay. I, I, I'm coming, uh-huh. I'm right. coming at when I say that, and I apologize, I should have said uh-huh. that more clearly, <laughs> but I, I kind of, you know, I like to joke that, you know, I'm, I'm like this mama bear advocate, like Robbie, you know, we both, we, we both are. And, and, I think when I say we need to change our mindsets, I'm, I'm talking about a systemic, you know, like I think society needs to change the mindset of, you know, quote, they're, they're acting naughty or quote, you know, they're willfully not doing something verse two, two as, and, and this requires awareness. This requires education of many people, you know, not just parents, Um, So I'm really coming from when I say that I'm really coming from an advocate, you know, standpoint, I totally recognize that people, you know, people are going to change their mindset when they're ready, you know, you cannot, you know, just like you, you so eloquently said you, you can't force somebody to change their mindset, they're going to, you know, when they're receptive to it. Yeah, and we can't. Yeah. And we can't always change our own mindset, you know. Right. Something happens, right. You know, something happens, and, and we change it. Yeah. So what? What I was thinking. So that to me, that's an insight, right? <laughs> yeah. So we live in we live in, we live in this empowerment world where we've got to do this and we've got to do that, yeah. right? Like, yeah. Rather than being in the insight world, right. right? Because the empowerment people are the ones that are telling are selling as empowerment courses, right? Yeah, and the insight ones that that they're just you know that, that they don't get a lot of the insight guys well you've got to hang around and uh, you know open mm-hmm. yourself up and learn and well that's not a very sexy thing to do is it not, <laughs> not a very sexy sell so um uh, and but but i think for me it's the insights that change the world not yes not not, not trying to force stuff Just i agree i i agree and and that's actually one of the reasons why i i wrote a book with my co-author who's a fellow mom who has um she has adopted her children and and three of them have an fasd we wrote it, it's being released um june 15th it's called blazing new homeschool trails educating and launching teens with developmental disabilities we really wrote this from not from a you know, empowerment, sell, sexy kind of thing. We wrote it from two homeschool moms who we learned a lot. And here's what we learned. And, 
you know, this is our insight, you know? Um, and, and the same reason why my husband and I, you know, founded FASD Hope podcast was because we wanted to educate people about FASD, but we also wanted, we end each episode with hope because like you said, I think that people will make that insight change or shift in, in thinking when they see there's light there at the end, you know, and when they see that there's hope, you know, I think they're more willing to say, you know, things could be better, you know, and, and I'm receptive. I'm ready to, to learn about that. So, um, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I, I think that our perspective is that, you know, we, um, here's our insight. Here's what we've learned. Here's how we've changed from this journey. Um, and, and, and grow from there. I, yeah, I totally agree. So I wanted to, uh, I wanted to link that to what you said about your computer metaphor, because uh, it links to a, uh, what a guy, um, one of my mentors, um, one of the most important mentors I had when I started off on my, um, uh, let's call it, business and adoption fueled midlife crisis mm-hmm. <laughs> just to put it in a to put it in with um in a simple phrase um he, he talks about cosmic downloads Ooh. so a cosmic download is something that comes you know like it's a fresh idea that comes into our computer and we've never had it from we've never had it before but it's not and it's so it's not it's never actually been part of our hardware Mm-hmm, or part mm-hmm. of our software mm-hmm. um, and that's what kind of you know he, 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 that's how he sees that catalyst for change um, yeah it come, but it comes from it comes from almost outside our consciousness mm-hmm. it comes from global consciousness it comes from outside our brain um, yes and uh, so we're not we're not in charge of it you know it's not us it's not in our Well, it's not in our database. It's, it's, it's not in our consciousness. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, for me, um, because, you know, my, my husband and I are, are grounded in our faith, you know, our faith is very important to us in our journey. We see it as miracles. We really see these, these um, insight you know, just again, like, it's almost like you, you wore glasses for so many years and, but they were a certain color. And then, you know, then you get clear glasses and it's like, wow, the world is so different looking at it through this. And it's not something that you can do internally. It's really something I agree. It's something that's like almost downloaded to you, you know, it's, it's something that, and for us, we, we see, um, we, we see our son's journey. We see our daughter's journey. We see how we learned about FASD. We see how we took our brokenness and wanted to use it to, to help others and to advocate for others. We see all that as miracles. We know that it's nothing we did. So I, I agree. I, I agree with you. It, it's not something that you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to go, you know, change the world or anything. It's really your lived experience plus this aha, you know, moment or, or moments, you know, and then turning it into for us and for our family. I know Robbie, you know, is doing this with her podcast and her advocacy. 
really taking these stories and saying, okay, we're, we want to help others and, and just be a resource for others. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. I think that's amazing. Yeah. I love that. I love the way, cause I'm not a religious guy, right? but I'm a spiritual guy, but I'm not a religious guy. So I love the way that you took my cosmic miracle, uh, sorry, cosmic, <laughs> uh, my, my mentor's uh, uh, metaphor of the cosmic, uh, cosmic download. Yeah. Um, I, I made that into a miracle because often we think of miracles yeah. uh, as a physical thing, mm-hmm. rather than uh, you know a new idea. And a new yeah. idea is a is a is a miracle. So, um, so where's the you know you, you you talked about the lessons, and I, I think what the the the, the fundamental the fundamental lessons we've talking about we've been talking about so far is this is about a shift in. It's about a shift within us rather than expecting a shift within our kids. Yes. Um, yes. And we're saying that, and we're saying that there's not just one, it's a series of them. Oh, yes. Yes. And, 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 and that is part of the learning. The learning is the new ideas. Um, and we're saying that this, you know, the, the good news is that people that are listening to podcasts are. I use this metaphor a lot. They are here because they're hanging out for insights. Yes. So they're yes. at the bus, they're at a bus stop. Yes. Waiting for something new to occur to them to yes. do. And that's where the analogy goes wrong because there's no timetable to insights. Right. Sometimes they take longer, right? But when they come, the one I, I love on this is that it always takes them two seconds to travel that last 20 yards when they come around the corner. So, you know, kind of, if you wait long enough, they come and sometimes they come like uh, one, two, three at once. So, so those, those are for me, some of the biggest learnings that you've shared. I'm just coming up to the front, to, to the top of the conversation, mm-hmm. looking down on it and saying, <laughs> um, that's what I hear in what Natalie said to kind of distill it for the audience mm-hmm. um but is that would that would that be a that yeah be yeah i think that would be a good summation of yeah. <laughs> of our journey and and what we're trying to do is yeah yeah it, it really is um for me insight in this journey about adoption you know being a, a mother of two children who who we adopted um, and then of one of, of a son who has enough ASD, I really think that um, it, we've learned and, and what we're trying to help others, you know, what we're trying to help others at that bus stop, whenever they jump on the bus, you know, um, uh, that really making a shift from thinking about you know, all of these needs and all of these things that your child or teen or young adult can't do to what they can do really will help, you know, not only your family, but will also help that child or teen or young adult. Because, you know, I I think, and this is again, where I talk about systemic, you know, we need that systemic change of mindset, because I, I think at least through our experience, when our son was in public school, private school, any type of, you know, that kind of experience, it was often, here's what's wrong. Here's what's wrong. Here's what we need to 
change. Here's what we need to fix. Rather than here are his strengths. Here's what he can do. And here's what we can build on. Yeah. Um, I love that. Um, I, I, I love that. What you just said then, I think for me, it's also a, a sensed an easing, you know, when this life was easier for you, like frustration, you know, there was a decrease on the frustration. Yes. If, if it was me, if I was putting myself in your shoes, right, I would say, well, there's a, you know, once this, the, there's a, there's been a decrease in, so life just gets easier for us as parents when we, you know, focus on what they can do rather than what they can't do because the frustration, some of the frustration. I, do, I don't think it gets easier. I, I want okay. to interrupt you just for a second. Yes, of course. I, yeah. don't, <laughs> I don't think it gets easier. However, however, I think that life becomes more, it's always a challenge. There, there's always a challenge. And because FASD is a lifelong disability, it doesn't go away. So it, it you know, it has its ebbs and flows. Um, rather than, um, I don't think our life has been easier. However, and this, I think this is a good way. And my husband has actually taught me this. We savor the moments, you know, um, for example, this weekend was just, I, I was sharing with you our experiences over the weekend. We had a lot of great moments this weekend, you know, and we've learned that um, when you shift from that, what's wrong to, to what is a strength, we've learned that you have more good moments you know, you still have the bad moments and they can still be very rough. However, you will slowly begin to have more of the good moments, you know? So I think that for me is a better way because, you know, we are dealing, you know, for example, this past year, we're dealing with grief again with our son because all of his friends went to college or universities or um, to the military or even just you know, working and he's still doing what he did, you know, last year, living in our apartment, part-time working with, you know, his carpentry apprentice teacher. However, you know, in, in walking with him in that grief and saying, you know, we totally support you. We, we, we understand and recognize that you're grieving and, and, you know, how can we help? How can, how can we as your parents and your family help? So that wasn't easy, you know, like, you know, seeing the grief, I was like, oh my goodness, we're dealing with this again. You know, it, it was like when we first received, you know, the diagnosis or when he was little and when we first realized that there was something going on. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's more of, you're able to, um, you're able to enjoy and recognize that there are more good moments than bad moments and that you will get through. Here's, here's a hope. Here's a hope attachment that you will get through those bad moments, that, that those bad moments are moments and that you will get through them. You, you know, to, if you have faith and if you have that courage and that, um, and that capacity to say, I know this is a moment it's, it's bad and I, I can't stand it, but I'm going to get through it. So I think, maybe that would be um, how I would state that, you know, it's, I don't think it's ever easier. However, it's, you can do it. 
it's more of a, you can do it thing, you know, versus before I, I, I hear, I get emails from listeners of our podcasts and messages saying, I don't know what to do. And I was in that very position, you know? So being able to say, okay, here's a rope, you know, <laughs> here, you know, I, I'm, I'm just a, a mom with lived experience. I'm not a professional. I'm not a psychologist or a doctor. I'm just, I've been on this journey. I'm a little bit further down the road, but here's a rope. Here's some resources. Let me just point you in the direction and you choose the direction you think is, is the best fit for your family. So, yeah, I, I think that would, I, I would rephrase it like that. We've learned to stop and savor the moments, the good moments when they're happening. And we've also learned that the bad moments, we're going to get through them. So that's lovely. Thank you for clarifying. And, uh, and I can see where my, my shorthand, I think I was just going to go for shorthand. Uh, and I'm glad I did because it gave you, uh, it gave you uh, something to edit off and aim off and, and, and give a fuller, um, yeah, a fuller, a fuller explanation, which I think uh, is beautiful and it will really help the listeners. So what else would you like to, to, to learn in terms of what helps adoptees thrive? I have really learned recently, well, not recently, but I've really, especially since our son has, you know, he's almost 19, um, you know, and, and we have this involvement with our daughter's birth mother and we have, I would really, I just want to take more time to listen to the voices of people who have been adopted or who have been in the foster care system. Um, and, and to share with your listeners to share with, you know, people who listen to our podcast that we really need to hear, um, we really need to hear their stories. You know, everybody's story is important. Everybody has a story and, and they're very important. And I think that especially in the past year, I've heard quite a few um, I've interviewed on our podcast, quite a few adoptees um, living with FASD that are actually doing well and, and actually have shared, you know, these are things I learned along the way. So for me, I'd like to do more of that, especially as our son becomes older, you know, and, and also as our daughters, you know, she's only almost six right now, but, um, you know, she's going to have her own story and it's going to be very different. And I want to learn about that too. So that's what I, I really would like to do is, is just to hear more of um, adult adoptees, you know, so that I can have better insight as, as a parent. Um, and I think that's just really important in general. Yeah. Well, with that in mind, do you want to ask me a question? Yes. Yes. Um, so let's see. When, when would you say, um, when would you say you wanted, you had that desire to learn more about your birth family's origins and, and who you are, because our son, um, you know, he and I, I, I've told him because we don't know anything about his birth father. We know a little about his birth mother and he's almost 19. And I said, you know, 
maybe if you and I, we can do those DNA tests together and we can find out our lineage, you know, we can find out, you know, our ethnicities and he's not ready. He, he, he wants answers, but he doesn't want to know that. When did you feel like you were, you were comfortable in saying, okay, I want to learn about this now. Uh, well, it wasn't comfortable at all, actually. Okay. Um, I apologize for that. Then. <laughs> no, no. It's, good. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. Um, and it's good because it's going to be, it's going to be a very short story. Okay. Um, and then we'll get back to you because this is sure. supposed to be a meeting for you about FSD. Okay. So about six years ago, I was sat in a therapist chair and um, the idea, an idea popped into my head of my birth. So I'm 40, I'm 54 now. So I was 48, about 48 at the time. Um, And the idea of my birth mother rejecting me again in in my head, right? Uh, It it came, it came into my mind, right? And it came with um, a, a lot of fear and anger. Like I, I imagined opening the door of the therapist room and seeing my birth mother and her rejecting me again, right? That came in like a pretty nasty thought. I've got a very creative imagination, okay? <laughs> and I just thought, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to let... So there was anger and then there was fear and I just thought to myself, I am not going to let that fear of my birth mother rejecting me again hang around. I'm going to run straight at this. A bit like Marines say that they run towards, you know, Marines say that they run towards, I've heard this, they run towards the bullets. Yeah. A lot of other troops run away from the bullets. They run towards. And I just thought, I'm not having this Um now you could say that's macho bravado. I don't know. It was what whatever it was, and that's when I resumed my um, I resumed my my search for for my mother, biological mother, my birth mother, uh, and and unfortunately, I found out that um, that she died. Mm. But uh, something that I found um, helped me. A letter that I found in the that I got in the adoption file helped me realize that um, she'd never she'd never rejected me. Wow. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. So it was yeah it, it it was much more down the road for you. you. You know you you were yeah yeah well into your adulthood when when you were ready to explore that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I think, and you know what, and that's really, thank you for sharing. First of all, thank you for sharing that with me, because that gives me insight um, to say, you know what, our son will let us know when he's ready, you know, because I, I, I hear, you know, in, in, in the States, when they're 18, when, if you're adopted and you're 18, you can, you know, search, you know, if your files are closed and my husband and I have tried like looking for his birth mother. And we, I mean, we've come up with no success, you know, we've, and, and, you know, I thought, well, maybe if he just knows what his ethnicities are, then, you know, but he, I realized through you telling me this, that he may not be ready until he's 30, 40, you know, even, even beyond that. And, and I need to respect that. Yeah. Um, and 
what I what happened to me doesn't sound like a when I'm ready story. It's, right. When 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 they're ready story, it, it, it can that could be in many different forms. Right. Right. Uh, to try and um, uh, to try and make this a little less about me and, and to kind of draw learning out of it. Uh, that doesn't sound like a when I'm ready thing. It was like, well, we'll do it when yeah. when. <laughs> It just, the idea. It, it, exactly when it happened um, yeah and uh, the other thing is that uh i would say that my little story there is a, a little vignette of um post-traumatic growth mm, yes um so yeah, yeah i would like if if there are any vacancies going for poster boys for uh, post-traumatic <laughs> growth i'd like to be that i'd like I, to be that I, I agree. <laughs> so, um, so back to you and thank you for, um, uh, you know, thank you for humoring me by answering uh, a question. Sure. <laughs> no, question. it's something I actually really wanted to know. Yeah. Sure. Um, so back to the, back to the, what helps adoptees thrive? What your, your learnings along the way. What else would you, I mean, well, I'm just looking at the time, perhaps we should kind of sure. wrap it up and we'll talk about your website sure. and find out more and sure. we'll see about the book, which is going to be launched. You're launching it on my mum's yes. birthday. Well, oh my goodness. Birthday. There it's, you it's, go. So I don't know whether this podcast will be live by then. Um, yeah. Well, why don't we do that? Why don't I make this live on the 15th of June? Yeah. That would be lovely. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yes. Our, our book will be launching um, uh, June 15th on Amazon. We're self-publishing through Amazon. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's really um, just what we've learned um, along the way um, as, as moms, you know, my friend who lives in Colorado and, and myself, you know, we have two very different journeys. Um, but what we've learned in, in respecting you know, the differences of our, you know, then teens, now young adults and how we created, you know, new, new pathways for them for post homeschool, which did not include, you know, academia. It included, you know, trades and apprenticeships and entrepreneurships and things like that. Um, so what I've also learned um, to wrap things up, to, I guess, to help people, um, thrive, you know, as an adoptee. Um, Again, I'm coming, you know, from the angle of, you know, being a mom, you know, who has adopted two children. And again, two very different adoption stories. Um, Another thing I've I've learned is that um, I genuinely believe that, um, you know, and I say this, and again, it sounds cliche, but I think everybody has, it's almost like a superpower inside of them. You know, everybody has this amazing gift inside of them. You know, actually more than one, it can be more than one gift. It can be many gifts. Um, And I think to help your child, loved one, you know, whomever thrive, is, is you have to be the detective and help find what those gifts are. And I felt like that's, that's the culmination of, you know, our, 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 the book about, you know, um, our journey and, and about, you know, the podcast and about the website and just what my husband and I really hope to do is that, yes, we're on this journey. It's still long. It's still, there's still very, you know, 
very messy parts to it. But one of the things we learned is that we, we really needed to take the time to learn what those gifts were, you know, and in addition to carpentry, our son is also a very gifted, he, he loves computer coding. He's very good at it too. So, you know, he took some online classes about that and, and he's also, he's very loyal. He is, he's so loyal. Um, you know, and our daughter, she's got amazing gifts. Her birth mother loves art. And our daughter is this, she's only six, but you know what she does in art just blows me away. And she's got a beautiful voice and just, you know, I think that again, wherever you are on this journey, whether you're a parent or whether you're an adoptee or whether um, you're married to someone who's an adoptee, I think if you can help that individual find that super power, you know, that, that gift and help them, um, I think that it will help them thrive more because it takes the shift off of, you know, it takes the shift off of, oh, this is what you can't do, or this is what's not going to happen to look, this is what's going to happen, you know, and, and I love to use this example when, when I guest on other people's shows, the, the desk that I'm talking to you friend from our son made it for us two Christmases ago. And it's just the most perfect desk, not just because he's our son, but you know, he crafted it. So like he made the edges curved so that when we work on our computer, you know, our, our wrist can, you know, sit comfortably. And then he put a bar underneath so we can rest our feet on. And, you know, it's it just, to me, it's just such an example of, of, of what he has inside of him. So I, I would say that, you know, help your loved one, help that person find their gifts and really just, you know, really embrace that. Um, I, I think that would be something that would help, <laughs> help your loved one thrive. I love that. Um, the first thing is, as I shared before we started recording, um, woodwork is not my thing. I, st- <laughs> I, st- I still remember, like I'm 54, as I said earlier, I still remember a guy called Mike Brown, um, who lives not too far away from me now. And I sometimes see him in the in the pub i remember him finishing my woodwork stool um uh, you know in in woodwork class when i was when we were 12 or 13 so whatever that is for, for uh, 42 42 years ago um so good good on your son for having that uh, that, <laughs> that superpower that i don't have and um before i did the adoption stuff i i did a lot of work in elementary schools uh, primary schools, as we call them over here, and they, uh, you know, they are. Um, you talked about this, we talked about the system and and the systems not being right for 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 your kids because the systems are set up for the majority, not the not the minority, and the so they don't. They, they teach a curriculum for all rather than a curriculum for one, clearly. And what I used to do is I used to start off by asking the kids um, what their dream was, um, what they needed to do to make their dream, what they needed to do to make their dream come true, and how they needed to be 
to do what they needed to do to make their dream come true. So um, I, I'm not a fan of processes or steps, but that's a really, that's a, that's a, that's a nice broad one. Uncover, you, you know, you said, you know, uncover the superpower. So uncover the superpower or the dream and then um, stoke the fire of the, of, of, stoke, stoke the, the fire of the superpower or, you know, empower them. What do they need to do to make their dream come true? What do they need to hone their skill? And then the third, the, the third bit and the bit that's the most fun bit is who do they need to be? Yes. Yeah. Who do they need to be? do what they need to do to make their dream come true. And, and, and that is a little framework for a conversation. Hopefully it's not a, you know, it's not a, <laughs> a nine step process. It's not 16 ways to yeah. get your child with FSAD to, <laughs> to go to bed or 16 right. ways to get your adopted child to do what you want them to do. But right. I'm just sharing that as, a, as, a, as something that pops in um, to, to, to who do they need to be? Let's yeah. build them up. Mm-hmm. Let's build them up and let's let's empower them to thrive. And that's about asking them questions, drawing this stuff out of them. Investigating, Not, really. Investigating yeah. with them. Yeah. yeah. Investigating yeah. with them, investigating yeah. for them, investigating with them, lifting them, lifting them up and em- empowering them. Um, you know, and, and who doesn't want a child like that rather than some um somebody waiting for something else right. you know right. to happen you know i agree i agree so uh fasd hope is the name of your podcast yes yes um, fasd hope as to hope and i'm going to put some links in the uh the the uh, show notes and thank you um and people can check check out I'll, I'll put your social links in and yes and you can also um visit our website at fasdhope.com so we we share a lot of uh, different um yeah we have a lot of resources uh a, a lot of different um you know re- we have a resource page we have a podcast page we have a lot of other things um and then our our new book that's coming out um is called blazing new homeschool trails educating and launching teens with developmental disabilities and uh, that's by myself, Natalie Vecchione, and Cindy LaJoy. And that will be launched on June 15th. Right. So, and uh, yeah, yeah, we're, thank you. I, I appreciate your giving me the opportunity to, to talk about what we do and, uh, and, and to talk. This has been, this has been an amazing conversation. I, I could talk to you <laughs> for, for a long time. I, I enjoy talking with you. Thanks a lot. Uh, It's been a delight to have you on the show, Natalie. And uh, thanks to everybody for listening. And we'll see you all again soon on another edition of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. And I keep on forgetting to do this. Can you please rate or review it and just share the podcast with your your, your friends, please? Um, I know I'm supposed to do that. And I've done how many podcasts now? I always forget to do it. Anyway, thanks a lot, listeners, and see you all again soon.